Hello, wisdomers and uh, fellow travelers on this journey of life. This is uh, Bhupender Singh with our new topic today. And the topic today is the true nature of our existence. It is very important. In fact, it is the starting point to know where do I stand today? Who am I? What is the true nature of my existence? What is the relationship between creation and the creator? Because I as this human being is the creation. So are you. So is everything else around me that see is creation. But there is a power. Let's call that power the creator. And let us try to understand the relationship between the two and what is the true nature of the creation and the creator. And to understand this, I will try to avoid the heavy words because a lot of time um, they sort of uh, make our understanding biased. Um, let's start fresh. Let's um, investigate. Let's investigate ourselves actually to really understand um, the nature of our existence. And to do that, I'm going to use an example. And I'm going to call this a top-down model. Now, the two approaches to understand the nature of existence, either we start off with the creation, means the physical world, or we start off in the top-down model from the creator and the nature of the creator. So let's start off with the top-down model. Uh, I will use example of a fish in an ocean. So visualize for now that you are looking at this ocean, even though any examples that I will use from the physical world will be limited, it will have holes. But to understand the nature of existence of the creator, let's assume the creator is an ocean. Even though the ocean we know in our memories and the oceans on this planet Earth have limits. This ocean, let's consider it is limitless. There are no boundaries. And this ocean is filled with water. So there's an infinite field. Instead of the water, let's call it the supreme intelligence, the infinite field that is the starting point. And one might ask what existed before this infinite field of energy. And if you are a person who likes to look for evidence, go Google uh, uh, Higgs boson's uh, theory. They actually got a Nobel Prize where they did an experiment and they wanted to understand what happened or what was there before the Big Bang. And I will not get into the details. They came to the conclusion that before the Big Bang, they experimented in a tunnel they built in Europe. Uh, uh, they spent about a few decades trying to bombard these particles in the tunnel uh, and simulate what was there before Big Bang. They came to the conclusion there was nothing. Now, 
if we take the literal meaning of nothing, that's not what it means. The way they define nothing is existence of an energy field where each and every particle is at the same frequency. And for this reason, there is no reference point as each particle is at the same frequency. It appears there is nothing, but that nothing is not literal. The nothing is existence of an infinite energy field in which each particle is at the same frequency. So that is a starting point, at least what we know scientifically of the creator. And they define the Big Bang as a self-created disturbance within that energy field, which created this vast universe in terms of the physicality. It means there was nothing prior to everything and that nothing actually had everything within it. A new definition of nothing. Nothing is everything. But it's, there's no better word to describe that uniform energy field. So that is the ocean here. So that ocean in which we are, in which the fish is. Now this fish, one might ask, where did the fish come from? The fish came from the ocean. The fish came from water. The fish is made of water. Okay? This is a fish. The physicality, what we call fish, is made from the water. Or we can say the water manifested itself as that physical object which we call fish. Now, this fish, fish is uh, uh, the example of the physical world. It means from this nothing, from this, some people use the word consciousness or the field of unlimited, infinite, supreme intelligence came these physical objects. Question number two, where is the fish? The fish is in the water and we already know the fish is made from water. The third question, what is inside the fish? It's also water. So the fish is manifestation of the water in the physical form. And then number two, the fish is the creation. The water is the creator. So you can see here that the creation and the creator are not actually two. The creation is appearing in the form of this physical object called fish. And then this fish, this creation is within the creator. The fish is in the water. And what is inside the fish? Inside the fish is also water. So what I'm saying is we are all inside the creator actually we all, including this physical world, is manifestation of the creator as creation. And where does the creator reside now? Resides inside everything that is physical, that is within time, space, and has a beginning and an end. So the relationship 
between the creation and the creator is almost as if they are not two, they are one, but because of our limited understanding, we have created this separation. In reality, you can never separate the fish from water. The fish will not survive without the water. In fact, the fish, the existence of the fish is pointing to the existence of the water. It means our existence is actually evidence of existence of the creator. And now, if as a fish, I'm inside the creation, I'm looking for the creator, do you think I can find it? Now, this is a this is an ocean that doesn't have boundaries. The fish does not know it is inside the water. The fish does not know it is actually manifestation of the water in the ocean. We as creation are not aware that we are manifestation of the creator and we are never separated. Means we are that infinite energy field that we lovingly call consciousness. And in this moment, if we have not realized the true nature of our existence, what really starts happening? Now we identify ourselves with our appearance, our physical bodies. And this physical body has different names, uh, different identifications it takes on, and so on. And that is where we start separating from each other. Not in reality, but we assume we are separated because we look different. We have different heights. We have different skin colors. We have different titles. And starts this grand play I call the uh, world we live in. It is diverse. It is complex. And it multiplies. Just like within that ocean, there are multiple fishes. They are diverse. They multiply. And there's a complexity. And that is at the level of the physical world which we call the material world. Material world or physical world is the world that has a beginning and an end. Meaning, mean it is bound by time. Two, it occupies space. Number three, it is not true always. It is constantly changing. And what is changing is the creation. What doesn't change is the creator. What doesn't change is the consciousness. What is constant is consciousness. And when we do this journey in reverse, means we arrived here where we stand today, and we, what we call going inside, essentially is trying to understand who am I now 
I'm going in the reverse direction. I started off with the top-down model. We have arrived here. Now we have to climb back, personally and individually. We are actually manifestation of the creation. And the biggest fear that mankind or anyone who appears in this physical body is death. Now I will ask you the question, if you use that model that I created at the beginning of this talk of that fish in the water, the fish is actually the water itself. The fish, number two, is in the water and the fish has water inside it. Now, what do we call when the fish dies? Where does the fish go? It remains in the ocean, remains in the water. What that fish turns back into? It dissolves in the water. So we, as this physical body, when we look at our physical bodies, we come, we call, I was born. Actually, what we should be saying is, this body started on this date, and this body has an expiry date. But in reality, I, as consciousness, one be with the creator existed before this physical body, and I will also exist beyond this physical body. Now, now ask yourself the question, what is death? What is birth? Is it my birth? Is it my death? But if I identify myself with this physical body, yes, I will say, I was born on so-and-so date. And I will say, I might die at this age. But if we understand this true nature of existence, what will I say? I am consciousness that manifested itself as this mind and the physical body. And I was not born, neither will I die. The ocean never dies. That infinite energy field that we really are has not a beginning or an end. It is constant. It is like that canvas or you can say the movie screen on which these different pictures, the images appear and disappear. And until we do not understand the true nature of our existence, we are operating from our limited self, which is the mind and the body. We are operating from what is ego self, what is self-centered self, what is limited awareness. And until we remain in this limited self or we identify ourselves to be limited, we have not healed. We are not whole. We are not in the present moment. The moment is not present. It is us who are in this moment. But what is the nature of our existence in this moment? 
if the nature of my existence is its physical body, it is changing. It is actually decaying every second. I'm dying every second. I'm approaching death every second. And the fear is but natural. You can't avoid it. If I identify myself with the mind or with the thought, I didn't talk a whole lot about the mind because that's a topic by itself. I wanted to uh, keep this conversation simple and also expect few of you to jump in here and uh, sort of help guide this uh, uh, talk or the conversation because I want to keep it simple. I want to make sure that we all are on the same page. And if something is not making sense, please raise, ask a question. So I will continue uh, this talk, but I do invite you to join as a guest. It not only helps you, but it helps a lot of other people. So going back to the identification with our limited self. So when we identify ourselves with this physical body, we will say that I was born, I'm going to die which the underlying tone is fear. Life is short. I do not have time. There's so many things that are up from there. And that saying is the mind. The mind is limited. Mind is limited if we look at the building block of the mind. What is actually mind? Mind is simply collection of thoughts. And before you started listening to this talk, you had a certain thought. I will ask you, where is that thought in this moment? Does it exist? No. So if you identify yourself with the mind, you as thought are taking birth and dying very quickly. And if you want to understand this, you don't have to go read a book or study some other text. Just look at yourself. Just watch this thought. You can do that now as you're listening to me. Observe. Their thoughts, they're rising and falling. And if you identify yourself with that, you're identifying yourself with your limited self, which is either your physical body or your mind. So when this body dissolves, when that fish dies in the water, where does it go? It's still there. It's still in the water. A lot of people have these questions. Where do I go after I die? You remain here, but not in the physical form, but in a different form. And you existed before this physical body of yours and you will exist after your physical body decomposes. And once we start moving in this direction, where we connect with our true self, with the true nature of our existence, you will notice a huge transformation, the transformation of your thoughts, the transformation of the mind the transformation of the limited thoughts to the unlimited thoughts. 
because the thoughts that are associated with the mind or the body are all limited. And limit equals fear. Limit equals lack. Limit equals lack of gratitude and so on. But as you transform from this limited self to the true nature of your existence, there is expansion of thoughts. Now your thoughts are actually rooted, are coming from something greater. That is consciousness. Consciousness does not have a start point or an end point. So I hope this should force you to start thinking why it is important to know the true nature of your existence. And once you start reflecting, you will notice a change happening within you. you. You will notice that you are healing. The way I define healing is at the level of the mind. One is a physical healing, which we all observe. Say if I have a, a wound or a cut on my arm, we see it healing. What the healing really means is my, that part of the body, say my arm, um, that has a cut is now returning to its, to its uh, uh, true nature, to its uh, 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 true nature, and that healing actually happens from inside. Say if I injure my shoulder, now the movement is restricted. That's the unhealed state. But when the shoulder heals, it's returning to its default or natural state. So uh, for us, for the mind, to return to its natural state, to its infinite state, is healing. The return of the thought filled with fear to that of love is healing. The return of the thought of being immortal to the thought of being immortal is healing. It is returning to our natural state. It is being whole. So when we are not healed, physically we know there are limitations. My shoulder injury will limit the movement of the shoulder. When I say my shoulder has healed, what has happened? My shoulder has returned to its natural state where those limitations have been removed. So when we do not understand, or rather we have not realized the true nature of existence means what is the creator? What is the creation? What is the relationship between the two? We are limited. We are not at our natural state of healing, uh, existence. We are not at our true default. We have moved somewhere else. Some people call it returning to our center, returning to our core. There are different words, different articulations to understand and express this. But the challenge here is any expressions that we use to describe 
consciousness or what is unlimited, infinite, will come with some loopholes. It is like the fragrance of a flower that I smell in a garden. Now, I arrive to meet my friends. I'm trying to describe them the fragrance through these words. I can describe it as much as I can, but I will, at the end of the day, fail. But the question is, then, what's the point of describing what cannot be described? Why the fish is trying to describe the ocean, which it fully does not know? The only point is, we are returning to our default state, to our healed state. And when I speak of the fragrance of the flower, with that smile on my face, with that excitement, it might inspire someone to make the effort to go to that garden and smell that flower themselves. It might inspire someone to start the inquiry, to understand the true nature of their existence. It will not only open the doors to understand yourself, it will open the doors to understand others. And that's one of our stumbling blocks. When we don't understand people, we get frustrated, we get angry. And you will notice the difference between the people who are operating from the limited versus their non-limited self. Their demeanors will be different. Their presentation in terms of the words they use, how they approach situations, how they approach the different adversities in their life will be totally different. And as long as we operate from our limited self, we will be facing conflict. We will be facing this diversity that is in form of different personalities, different likes and dislikes. This will continue. But once we move past it, personally, on individual level, we can be we we, we should be able to see past all these differences. Now, I'm not treating you how you appear in terms of your physical body. You are a male, you are a a female, you are from this ethnic um, background or from that nation or from that nationality. These are all temporary. We take on a lot of identities in our lives. We are doing that because we are looking for what is called feeling good. Feeling good is being healed. Feeling good is being fearless. Fear, feeling good comes from non-judgment. Feeling good comes from compassion that arises from inside, from knowing the true nature, from realizing the true nature of our existence, whereas we in this world are simply on our journey of transformation, on our journey of healing, on our journey of realization. And everything that happens on this journey is not something we need to cling on. If I cling on to a milestone, I will not be able to finish my journey. A lot of time, we cling on to situations. We cling on to people. We cling on to expectations. We cling on to desires. We cling on to our physical bodies. We cling on to someone else's appearance. These are all milestones. 
the purpose of this journey, the purpose of being human, is something greater. And we all are striving for that, either through fulfillment of our desires, dreams, and so on in the physical world, which will essentially take us to a dead end, means no much, doesn't matter how much I have of the physical world, it is still limited, and I'm defining myself as limited, I'm selling myself short. So in a nutshell, let's look at the top-down model, use the example of the fish, it will answer so many questions. It did for me, and hopefully it does for you. And my way of understanding is actually meditating upon the fish in the ocean, and then applying that to myself, digging in, going deeper. So you have something at your disposal, which is actually, I do see a guest joining in here. Uh, so welcome, 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 three, two, one, and here we go. All righty. Good morning, good afternoon, good now. Yeah, How are you? I'm doing wonderful. How do you pronounce your name, uh, Nez? You just simply call me Nez. Nez, how are you doing today? I am excellent, thank you. So, so what's on I, your mind? Um, well, you know what? You are on my mind. <laughs> um, I Listen, I'm guessing it's about 5 p.m. your time now? No, I'm in the Eastern time zone. It's about noon. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you and I are the same. Um, now, did you grow up in the East or did you grow up in the West? I uh, grew up in India, but then I've been in North America for, uh, I don't know, 25 years. Okay. Well, see, you, my friend, have pre-qualified yourself. <laughs> Um, in terms of being, having, basically being an adult, <laughs> that's the, the way, you know, the, the simplest way that I'll say it. Um, mm -hmm. now the reason why I say it like that is a number of, uh, no, is multifaceted. The first reason is that you, your, your mother tongue is not English. Now, I, I was born here. I was born in, in Canada. And I've been taking a deep dive on societies um, since about March. And one of my, this is one of my recent findings, is that, that English speakers, by the nature of the language, the language itself is superficial. The, if you take other, you know, dialects, you know, um, and try to translate them to English, you know, a sentence or sometimes even a word requires a paragraph or more of English to explain it, right? Mm -hmm. To just, to, to give the meaning of that one word. And so that shows how little depth, you know, English has because it requires so many words of English to describe, you know, a simple thing. 
Um, so, so that's from a language, a linguistic point of view. Now, because of that, you know, the depth that you have, and the richness of your language, the concepts that you're able to adopt and and arrive at, because of you know, each word for you has you know a whole train of thought attached to it. Um, yeah. That's what gives you, you know, the adult status because you are able to to conceptualize things on a much deeper level mm-hmm. than the general Westerner. So, so that's I just wanted to explain that <laughs> as a pretext. Okay. Now, I really appreciate your fish in the ocean analogy. You know, and the problem. So, I'll, I'll use North America as as the fishbowl in this example. Um, so, or if you think of it more of as an aquarium, right, because each, each of our circles of influence, our sphere of influence is like, you know, a bubble in a fishbowl, right? The, the fishbowl mm-hmm. is the society that you inhabit and your, cir- so your circle of influence, your sphere of influence is the bubble that you live in and and from that bubble, you contextualize the world, right? We, you know, as short-sighted Westerners, we fail to, to, to realize that outside of our bubble, there's a lot more context, right? So while we may grow to be a, a big fish, you know, in our own small tank, mm-hmm. um, when you remove the the confines of that tank and compare it to the ocean, you know, we're all small fish, you know, very few of us will ever get to whale status or, you know, or, you know, bull shark status or, you know what I mean? Like the, the, the predators in in the grape Lucy are, are, you know, are incomprehensible to a goldfish. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, you know, I mean, I guess I only have ten minutes here, so I might as well maximize it. But, but no, I, I just, I mean, I, I heard that much of you. I was, I was actually just flipping through the channels, and, and you were the first person to catch my attention. So I stayed, you know, to and wanted to engage with you because. You're the only person worth engaging with so far. Yeah, awesome, Naz. Th- thanks for your uh, sharing your thoughts. Um, and I'm not far from Canada. In fact, uh, I, I actually spent quite a bit of time in Canada in in the Toronto area. You probably somewhere there, right? Yeah, um, I'm right in the middle between Toronto and Niagara Falls. So, okay, the I live in town of Burlington. Is okay, one of the okay. top ranking cities yep. in North America. I lived in uh, 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 Toronto. I lived in uh, Windsor. Now I'm on the other side of the border. So oh, we are not Detroit. too far from each other. And, and, and going back to the, uh, uh, the concept that you shared about the bubble, it is so true. And you asked me about my Eastern background. So you are right. I also write. I actually write poetry also in uh, some of uh, my native languages, Hindi, I actually read Sanskrit also, Punjabi, 
And then I write in English also. I've published a couple yeah. of books. And you it, know, it, the general Westerner, you know, probably more than 60% of us, we don't have a little, another language aside from English. Yep. You know, so, it, it's so yeah. sad. Even even those that, that attended immersion, yep. you know, very few people stay engaged in French long enough for that to become, you know, a second language, you know. Yeah. And and to your point, Naz, um, what I'm trying to say is I essentially came to the Western world um, thinking that my life will change. It did change, but my outward life changed. And after 17 years, I took a trip to India and I traveled on my own through. Um, I actually did backpacking. <laughs> I had that time to understand what I realized was what I was seeking was actually within me. I was attracted by the glitter and the glamour of the mm-hmm. Western world. And I have, I spent quite a bit of time here. I'm immersed in this culture also. And then I found out even people here were looking for something. Whereas well, I think of- that is a function of the North American machine is to cause people to actively lose themselves. Right. I think this is the, the, the overall outcome. You know, this is why, you know, listen, mental health is a real thing. Sure. But it's based on brain chemistry. And mm-hmm. the mental health that's rampant in the West right now is learned behavior. Nothing mm-hmm. to do with chemistry. The chemistry becomes a byproduct of the the drugging that happens when people learn this behavior. Right. And it just it's a systemic problem that comes from the top. You know, there's a lot of, you know, like I'm not a conspiracy theorist, you know, however, I'm a realist and I will listen and to conspiracy theories to see if any part of the theory has any any soundness to it. So True. so in the 70s, there was a a push to to enhance our our confidence, right? They thought the secret to that was self-esteem. And by inflating our, our self-esteem, they thought we would end up as more confident people, therefore more productive workers, top earners, you know, more effective team members. But it, the experiment was a total, utter and total disaster, you know, and that's from the 70s till now. So the general North American that hasn't had the context of outside <clears throat> you know, exposure is one of those zombies you see in, in the media. You know, like, mm-hmm. We have to understand that the creators, the, the, the producers, the artists, each one of those things is a project. And my time is going to run out in 15 seconds. But those people that have went through the work to, to have the win that we were able to consume that media, there is an underlying message there that needs to be consumed. That's why they produced what they produced. Yep. Th- thank you, Naz. Looks like uh, you, you timed out there, but you brought up some good points in terms of the system of which we are a part is designed in such a fashion, it's almost impossible to escape it. I call it the economic model. But at the same time, I believe that we all have the power, if we want to escape these limitations in terms of 
um, identifications, um, um, different identification based on region, color, and so on, which was the bubble he was calling it the limited self. We are able to, and we have the full freedom to do that, but it is a challenge. I personally, at, at one point, came to the realization that I cannot change every system. I cannot change every person's behavior. I cannot change how the society operates, but I can make the best of what is on my plate, and I can focus on myself and learn how to transform every situation into an opportunity, every problem into an opportunity whereby I can connect back to my core no matter how I appear outwardly, no matter where um, I was born in terms of the physical body. And what I've learned being in these two very diverse cultures, which is the Eastern and the Western cultures that at the bottom um, bottom of it, we all seeking to feel good, no matter which country it is, no matter, matter physically how we appear, either we are rich or poor. And that will not happen until we become detached to all these identities. We are able to explore who we are in our true sense, which I keep saying in, is our infinite self. And in fact, the East has done a lot of research going inwards, whereas the West has done the research going outwards. And let's bring these two worlds together. We do, we do need all these comforts and amenities for our existence in the physical, as a physical body in this world. But there is something greater that we need, which is our well-being, which is returning to our unlimited self, which is realizing the true nature of our existence. And it is possible. So I do have another guest here. I'm going to let them in here. I think Nas is back. I know he was trying to finish his uh, thoughts and he has to leave. So welcome back, Nas. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I did my best to land the plane <laughs> within the time limit. Um, but you hit on another amazing point, right? Um, how you frame inward and outward, I, I address it as causes and symptoms. True. Right? So in the West, you know, we are very good at finding band-aids to suit, you know, whatever, you know, whatever bloodletting, <laughs> you know, to stop the bleeding. But you know, we're not very interested in what caused, you know, the bleeding to begin with. Um, and that's, you know, whether it be cancer research or, you know, like economic disasters and, and living wages, you know, when I say that this, that the system, the society that we're living in is a broken one, um, my go-to reference for that is the fundamental needs, you know, when people, you know, so I ask the question, why do people go to work? You know, you know, a, a common acronym for a job is just over broke. And, and quite honestly, given the current economic climate, if you're even over broke, you know, you're one of the, the lucky ones, you know, you know, cause that, cause that, that, that is, that's, you know, acronym 
really only applies to the middle class, right? And anyone that's, that is, you know, and, and I made it even venture to say upper middle class, right? For, because, you know, I, I could say that I'm middle class, but because, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm part of the gig economy, uh, we just had a baby, you know, 30, just, you know, 33 days now, and our first, you know, so while my wife is on mat leave, my income is dependent on my hustle. And because I've decided to take some time off for the family, you know, I, I'm just, you know, it is what it is. But, but you know, so so in terms of just being overbroke, no, I'm not. I, I'm just underbroke. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and, yeah, so... So, yeah, so the, the problem is, you know, why do people go to work? They go to work to, to satisfy their needs. And they're willing to, to sell some of their time in order to meet those needs. But at the end of the month, if, they haven't ha- if all their needs aren't met, and they are, you know, like me, deciding which, bill, which overdue bill gets paid because, you know, the others can wait a little longer. Um, that's not right. I mean, that's not, you know, that's not what this, you know, American dream is supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you, Naz, for sharing more thoughts. First off, congrats, congratulations on being a new dad. And that also comes with, uh, I, I don't, maybe challenges or opportunities. And in terms of, you brought up a very good point about the cause and effect. So we are very... Uh, good at treating the symptoms instead of treating the underlying cause of it, which you call the Band-Aid fix. And this is because we want, to, we want the results very quickly. It's very similar if I have, say, high blood pressure, I take a pill, but I haven't treated the underlying cause of it. And when we have this mindset and it gets multiplied, which boils down to the systems we have uh, are designed with a similar approach. And as you said, then an average person uh, uh, goes through the difficulties which you're just describing here, even though you're living in one of the better parts of the world, it still does come with certain challenges. And, 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 and what I learned on my, by myself is I cannot change the system single-handedly, but essentially the system is designed by when the masses reach a critical, uh, uh, critical stage or critical number. So it's like an evolution process. But what critical I would mass. Say, Critical mass, yeah. But what I would say in terms of your individuality, your family, I think that comes first, right? And and once you focus on where you can reap the greatest reward, you, you said you hustle um, to make and meets, and then you have certain needs you have defined, and, and, and that should be your top goal. Can I share um, a story with you? Yeah, sure. So one of the my go-to analogies or, that, or stories that I like to share is of a professor that, entered his classroom under his arm, you know, holding his bag and in the other arm or the other hand holding a big glass jar. All right. So 
he held up the he put the glass jar on the table and he filled it with tennis balls. Yep. And he held it up to the class and said, how many of you think this jar is full? Right. So a little over half the class raised their hand. And then he added some marbles to the jar and again, raised, you know, asked the question. And now most of the class put up their hand. And then after that, he topped up the jar with sand and then the rest of the class put up their hand. Right. So, um, of the thing, you know, so he had taken out, you know, these three bags or these, these bags that you couldn't see what was inside. And in addition to that, there was a, a Corona, right? Uh, a drink. And so after the sand, you know, he went on to speak, you know, and explained to the class that, this jar is your life and these things inside of it are your time. Now, the tennis balls represent your family and, and the core of, you know, things that are, that are most important. And then in it, then the marbles, they represent all the busy work, you know, your appointments, your, your obligations. And the, the sand is, Everything else, your leisure, your, you know, your hobbies, your whatever else. And if we don't first address our tennis balls and then, you know, and then fit in, you know, the busy work and then, you know, apply our entertainment. If we don't do things in that order, then if we were to fill the whole jar full of sand, you know, you couldn't therefore then, you know, get anything else to fit inside and um then you know one uh astute student asked well what about that beer on the table and then she cracked it open and that also fit inside the jar so i said at the end of the day when all everything else has been addressed rest assured there'll always be time you know for you know to sit back and relax with some friends sure so this is this is a great example. It, it's a good way to understand how do we prioritize things, and and if I was to break that down, Naz, I would simply say we need to be very clear about what are essentials and non-essentials in our life. The essentials are at the level of our physical body, for example, just using an example. Essentials are my needs, and non-essentials are my desire. My need is off my bodies. And desires are off my mind. The need of my body is nourishment, healthy food, clean food, three meals or whatever, depending upon how I use my physical body, uh, those amount of calories. So the body needs a meal, but the mind needs a meal at a certain place, in a lavish restaurant served in a certain way with a certain view, cooked by a certain chef. So until, again, I'm coming back to the same point, if we do not understand the true nature of our existence, what's going to happen? We're going to mix these up. We're going to start off with, with that corona first. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the way the system is designed because it's a, it's a market um, um, flooded with a lot of products, especially in U.S. compared to Canada. I lived in both countries. Mm-hmm. So we have to be aware. We have to be careful. We have to redefine our priorities and know what are my needs and what are my desires 
And then we can live the best life, no matter which country of the world we're living in. Our life you know is who, inside us. Yeah. Do you know who Evan Carmichael Sorry. is? No, no, I, I don't. Okay, well, he, he's a, a YouTuber that has a, some space in Clubhouse. But he uh, identified yesterday. He, you know, I, I've reached a stage in my life where I don't learn, you know, not much left to teach me. But him teaching yesterday that our purpose in life is to serve. Yeah. Again, Naz, uh, thank you for being my guest and sharing some amazing thoughts and also giving a few examples and, and I wish you luck in your endeavors. And also you were mentioning about serving. I think you coming here and sharing your thoughts, personal experiences is a, is a way to serve. And in fact, this is one of the reasons I'm here as one of the top mentors because through my uh, learnings, through my experimentation, through my experiential wisdom, I have learned how to uh, handle myself instead of handling a situation, how to manage myself instead of being focused too much on the situation. And I have to wrap up this uh, uh, talk here as I have a uh, meeting I need to uh, go to, but I will quickly summarize the essence of uh, this talk. And I apologize if someone else was trying to get onto this, but I will be back here soon. So I use the... Uh, 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 approach of what I call the top-down model to understand the true nature of our existence. And I started off with understanding what is the creator and then how the creator has manifested itself as the creation, which we call the physical world. And these two never are uh, separated from each other. And those people who think they're either materialistic or spiritual I think it's an opportunity for them to open up their awareness to the true nature of the existence where these two cannot be separated and it does not require to leave this physical world to seek that spiritual bliss. Uh, it is more about the mind being a monk instead of the physical body being a monk and it is possible, it is feasible and this is the best way. Those who leave this material world uh, are like uh, a swimmer who is drowning in water and instead of learning how to swim in this water they have uh, uh, listened to someone who says come outside this water and you will never drown of course you will never drown because you're not in the water once we understand the true nature of our existence like that fish in the water which is never separated and the fish is from the water fish is in the water and the water is inside the fish and when the fish what we call death or dissolves or disappears, what it becomes, it transforms back into its true essence. It transforms back into the water. So that should answer a lot of questions. So with that, I really appreciate all of you listening here and will uh, love more guests who come on. And if anyone has any suggestions, uh, any topics that are of their choice, be it of the material or the non-material world, uh, I will always start off with the uh, our core, like from our roots, which is our true essence, which is our true nature of existence, which is our default state, which is beyond this physicality and the mind, which is limited. So thank you so much and have a great, uh, wonderful day. And I will talk to you soon. Take care.